we're talking way back in the 80s. You know, Dynasty, Dallas, Falcon Crest, Knott's Landing, big hair, big cars, big shoulder pads. Remember that? This is the 80s. There was a young singer, and this young singer caught this huge break. Huge break for, for somebody just getting into the music industry. And the break that this singer caught was he was asked to be the opening act for none other than the Rolling Stones. The Stones, baby. Now, now personally, I've always considered the Rolling Stones music to be kind of prophetic, kind of like 50 Cent and Beyonce. What? <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Anyhow... Tough crowd today. Anyhow, the experience of our young singer who landed the, this gig for this early 80s Stone tour, Stone's tour demonstrates, kind of in a roundabout way, the, the prophecy of the Stone's music. Now, for their debut act, this young singer chose, chose, mind you, for, his, for, for the costume to wear a black bikini underwear, a trench coat, and nothing else. Nothing else. And before the singer began the set, right as they walked out on stage, before they sung one note, the Stones fans started booing. Then they threw stuff at the young singer. And with the booing being so loud and projectiles being hurtled on stage, the performer had no choice but to leave the stage. Hmm. Well, at the second leg of the tour, the young singer walked out onto the stage in the exact same outfit. Bikini undies, trench coat, nothing else, and received the exact same response. And as the singer left the stage for the second time, not playing any of their music, this singer made a decision. He made a decision. And the crucial and consciousness-expanding decision that this singer made was, instead of conforming to what everyone else expected of their performance and trying to win people over who didn't appreciate the talent that this performer brought to the world, this young singer decided to never, ever again be anyone's warm-up act, not even the Rolling Stones. So, who was the young performer who thought they had caught a break and then was forced, it, forced into making this consciousness-empowering decision? The one and only Prince. Prince. So, this is why the Stone songs that the stone song that proved to be prophetic for Prince was, you can't always get what you want. Remember the lyrics? You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find, what is it? You'll get what you need. And so what Prince got from that tour was exactly what he needed. He got the courage, the fortitude, the faith that no matter what, to be his purple self. And all else would effortlessly fall.
fall into place. And you are a bad derriere at making money. I'm cleaning it up today because we have young people present. Me. And you are a bad derriere at making money. Jan Sinero, Jan Sinero writes, Yes, Prince was one of the most talented musical bad derrieres to ever parade around the earth. And guess what? You have gifts and talents just as unique and important inside of you. And you're meant to respect, nurture, and strut your Eunice as unapologetically as Prince strutted his. The more in tune and in love you are with your awesome self, the less you will care about what any non-fans of yours think. The easier it will be to strut your stuff, find your joy, and get on with the green goodness of making money. She says this is because... Getting rich and succeeding at making any of your other dreams a reality depends on who you're being, how you're thinking, speaking, believing, imagining, stretching, perceiving your world. If you remember nothing else today, we want you to remember this. Now is the time. Now is the time for you to strut your strut, sweetheart. This is the time for you to strut your strut. Live the joy that you yourself bring to your journey. Express your uniqueness, your soul-level talents, and get on with the business of offering a vibration of consciousness of such pure, sheer resonance. It only attracts, only attracts a steady flow of ever-increasing abundance and prosperity. So the only question remaining is, are you ready to strut your strut? Yeah, yeah kind of, some are, some are. Let, let's just see how it goes. <laughs> Esther Hicks said, there's a life stream that flows to you. And this is a stream of clarity, a stream of wellness, a stream of abundance. And in any moment, you are allowing it or not. What someone does with the stream or not does not have anything to do with how much of it will be left for you. What someone else does with the stream or not does not have anything to do with how much of it will be left for you. This life stream that Hicks refers that flows effortlessly, expansively, and continuously is source energy. It is that part of you that is the divine mind of God coming to fruition on this plane of action. And when an individual's sole focus is to express themselves in such a manner where all of their thoughts, words, actions, and energies are absolutely void of concerns of what the external world, society, or family may think about how the individual chooses to express and receive that which brings them joy, happiness, contentment, success, and abundance. Well, you're strutting your stuff there. 
You want to raise your vibration of abundance? Then pursue your goals and dreams. The calling of your soul was such complete abandon. Abandon and centered in your boundless faith and commitment. Refuse to be open, the opening act for anyone or anything at any time. You have all the divine talent and energy you need to express as the superstar that you have come to this planet to be. So get out there and strut your stuff. There has never been a better time for you to begin expressing yourself as the fullness of God that you are, to live the joy that you bring to your journey, to say, wait a second, I've got a talent, and that talent, that within me, that's not something I thought about. Went, eh, yeah, I can do that. That talent that's desiring to be expressed is simply the universe wanting to do more through me. Wanting to do more through me. So we want you to live your vibration of abundance, to get on with the business of maintaining a vibration of consciousness, which is such sheer resonance, it only attracts a steady flow, a steady flow of ever-increasing abundance and prosperity. When you're willing and committed to strut your stuff, you will once and for all to demonstrate to yourself, yourself, no one else, that you are a bad derriere at demonstrating abundance, which is the title of our lesson this morning. You are a bad derriere at demonstrating abundance, part two. Because, you know, we had our first part of it last week, and that's online. You know, I want to talk about cause and effect right quick before we move on, because some folks say, oh, well, you know, how do you know? How do you know cause and effect is really happening? Because I see some mean people do some bad stuff, and nothing ever seems to happen to them. Wait for it. So, you know, we've been talking about, started the service off, talking about the 80s, talking about the 80s, and I was so excited, and I had all that energy and that, those memories coming back in of, of the 80s. And who walks into our center today but somebody that I haven't seen in 20 years that I knew in the 80s. So there you go. That's cause and effect. That's cause and effect. And your vibration establishes the cause to the next experience of your journey. So what is the vibration? What's the cause you're putting forward in the now? Is it a causation that says, well, wait a second, you know what, I've got a hidden talent that I haven't utilized in a while. Or I've got a desire that I've chosen not to come forward. Is it something that maybe I had a little fear to bring forward because, you know, it's just not a good time to start a business. It's just not a good time to go out and express myself with painting, with music, with teaching kids, whatever it may be. There's never a good time. There's never a good time to do that. You know why? Because the people that don't say it's not a good time, there's never a good time to do that, that you're listening to, these are the ones that are sitting at home not following their dreams. These are the ones that their idea of a good time is to say, come on over and we'll sit around and talk about how we're not doing anything together. <laughs> we want to tell you about Bob. And Bob's this fellow who all his life, he, he, 
at a very young age, he went to live with his uncle. And Bob's uncle was actually filthy, filthy rich, a billionaire rich, right? And in his later years, Bob's rich uncle became very ill. Now, Bob, who lived with his uncle, had no self-esteem, none whatsoever, and he just thought that that was what life was supposed to be about, him tending to his uncle. And because he had no self-esteem, and that's all he ever knew, Bob never really tried anything new. He had too much that negative soft talk going on in his head, you know. Don't do that. What will people think? Don't do that. You've never done it before. Right? So Bob find out, found out that the rich uncle only had just a few weeks to live. Very sad. Very sad. And then Bob found out that the rich uncle decided that since Bob was his only heir, was going to leave him all his money. So Bob got a little happier. Now, Bob, with his low self-esteem and all of his fears, had a thought. And he thought that, well, maybe, just maybe, with all of that money coming to him, he might be able to finally land a bride. So he decided that he would go out and find himself a woman that he could spend his impending fortune. And for the first time in his life, Bob went to a singles bar. Isn't that something? 40-something years old. Sad, sad. We all have a cousin like that. And when Bob walked into the singles bar, there he spotted the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. We're talking Linda Evans pretty. We're, we're not, you know, we're, not, we're still in the 80s. So, Even with all, look it up on Google for those that don't know. Even with all the negative chatter in his head, Bob walked up to this woman, looked her in the eye and said, I may look like an ordinary man, but in a few weeks, my rich old uncle will be gone. And I am his only heir. I'll inherit billions of dollars. Billions. Well, the beautiful woman was quite impressed and she went home with him that evening. Go figure. And then, just three days later, she became Bob's stepmother. Ah! Didn't see that one coming, did ya? And here's the moral to the story. Don't worry about what others think about you. Don't give any energy to the negative chatter in your head. Just do you. Strut your stuff. Even in the science of mind, Holmes says, if the artist suppressed all spiritual emotion, he or she would never be a great artist. In art, we call this emotion Temperament. In oratory, we call it inspiration. And in purely spiritual things, we call it illumination. There must be an outlet as well as an inlet if there is to be a continual flow. And then Holmes says, quench not the spirit. But let the intellect decide what the emotions 
to what the emotions are to respond. Quitch not the spirit. What's he saying? He's saying, don't hold back the calling. Don't hold back the vision. Don't limit the dream based on the limited views of others. Pursue your dreams and goals void of any thought of how others may perceive you. Of how others may perceive you. And that's the difficult thing sometimes. Because we, we, we've been taught early on how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to be. By very well-meaning folks. God love them. But at the end of the day, the only question we have is, how did that behavior work out for them? How did that behavior work out for them? Are you going to inherit the billions that Bob was going to inherit before his new stepmother got it all? If not, it may be time to try something a little more radical. It may be time to unapologetically offer the talents, the urgings that you bring to life. But you get to decide what those are. And people will say to me, well, you know, Reverend Tony, I, don't, I know I have that urge. I know there's something that I want to do. But I just don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. And you know why that happens? It happens because, let's clarify, they do know. They do know. But before they can know it, before they can get to that knowing, they have to remove, peel back the layers and layers of others' perceptions of old beliefs, old thoughts and ideas, old fears that they've consciously or subconsciously accepted as their own. Accepted as their own. You know, if, if Prince wanted to come and perform in his skivvies and trench coat at the center, hey, if it helps with offering, I'm all for it. Bring it on. Why would I ever want to stifle someone's creativity when they're expressing that joyful expression of source that they are? When they're demonstrating, being the example that others are to follow. A couple of weeks ago, Dan and I were driving down Old Rockbridge Road. It doesn't matter where it is. That's the name of the road. And we come to a four-way stop. Those that live in the area probably know where we're talking about. And there are four kids, right? Four kids, one on each corner. And they have these, what do you call it, water bottles stacked up. Some of the water bottles are frozen, right? And obviously they went to Kroger or Walmart, wherever it is, and bought the, you know, 36-pack for $2.99 or whatever it is. And they're selling them for a dollar. They're selling these drinks for a dollar. And so we were just so amazed that these four kids, probably 8 to 12 years old, we're out selling water, making summer money. Remember doing that, right? We all did that. Nobody called the police on us. So what did we do? We rolled down the windows, bought two waters, dollar each. Little sharks. <laughs> But I so admired their entrepreneurial spirit. 
I so admired that in spite of all the stuff you're reading in the newspaper today about people calling the police on kids about selling this or that, that these kids stood in their truth and they had a desire. Now, I can promise you that in Atlanta's June heat, their desire was not to stand out in the heat. Their desire, their actions were based on bringing forward a desire, a vision. What were they going to do with the money? I don't know. I didn't ask. It's not my business. My business is to recognize the example that they set. And the example that they set was no matter what, allow your vision to come forward. Jan said, this force that flows through you is the essence of who you are. It's the highest frequency there is. You are universal intelligence seeking expression on earth through you and as you. You are a valuable and irreplaceable asset to the universe. You are, you are mighty beyond comprehension. You are a bad derriere. You know the difference between Bob and Prince? It, Bob, our character in our parable? Prince chose not to mold his acts, his offerings, his energy, his desire, his spirit, based on one or two responses from the world of effect. That was the difference. You are here to thrive. You are here to express the divine to the best of your ability. And you do that not by trying to mold yourself to what others want, but by getting in touch, communing with that higher source, that higher resonating vibration of God that you are. And whether you do that through prayer and meditation, sound meditation, it doesn't matter. But it is important that you set the intention to do it. To get in touch with that vibration and then bring forward that expression of source. That inner urging. Woodrow Wilson said, President Wilson said, you are not here merely to make a living. You are here in order to enable the world to live more amply, with greater vision, with a finer spirit of hope and achievement. You are here to enrich the world, and you impoverish yourself if you forget that errand. You impoverish yourself if you forget that errand. Look, there's another great book. I've done classes and series on it. <coughs> Pardon me. And the book is The Energy of Money by uh, Nesmith. I can't think of her first name at the moment. Maria, Maria, thank you. Maria Nesmith. Thank you, Maria, for pointing that out. So. And Maria talks about how we do money is how we do life, right? Because it's all energy. It's all energy. And what we will say to you is how you do energy is, is how you do life. We, we, you know, yes, we're focused this month on raising that vibration of abundance within you so that you're always in that sheer and pure resonance. But understand something. If your focus is clearly on the demonstration of the outer effect of money, you're cheating yourself. Because that's the wrong focus. The focus must be, what good can I bring to the journey? 
What good can I bring to the journey with the knowing and the expectation that more and more good will return to me multiplied abundantly? You follow that? Heard that before? Gee, I hope so. (laughs) So, as you're going through this process over the next 31 days, well, now not 31 days, but over the next month, and you're in the class this afternoon, because I know you're going to be there, Ask yourself, what's my core intention here? Is it to experience more wealth, more prosperity in my checking account? Absolutely. I want you all to be filthy rich and tithe 10%. But at the same time, understand, source doesn't know about money. Source doesn't know about money. Source knows and recognizes how to express itself completely. How to express itself unimpeded. So if you allow yourself to let go of the idea of, oh, I've got to create X amount of money, and move into the the awareness that I'm here for the purpose of expressing presence, source, God, always in ever-expanding measure, well, well, you'll be rich beyond measure. Jan says, we grow and learn through friction. Every friction within our, even friction within ourselves. So your job isn't to try to rid your life of uncomfortable moments or prickly challenges or hard long looks in the mirror. Your job is to master the art of responding. Also known as being responsible for and aware of your thoughts and actions. I, I, I can't let go of the kids and, and, and the kids selling water, right? And the, the stories that we're seeing now. And look, good for the kids, right? But what I have to ask and what I have to wonder is what is going on with that adult individual, one of whom was a legalized pot dealer, by the way. Just saying, what is going on with those individuals? when they believe that the way to work as a presence of good, to express their belief in God, is to try to keep someone from, from demonstrating their good. I'll tell you what's going on. That's somebody who thinks that there's not enough to go around. That's someone who thinks that, oh, we all have to play by the rules, No, we don't. That's someone that has never stepped into a vibration of abundance. That's someone who has set themselves up that regardless of the good they've created up to that moment previously, every action of their life set them up to lose it all. Every action of their life set them up to lose it all. Why? Because their focus went outside as opposed to inside. They didn't take that good, long, hard look in the mirror. They didn't stop and say, well, wait a second, what are my thoughts and actions about this? Is it one of support? Is it one of recognition? Is it one of saying, wow, let me see how I can motivate myself like these kids have? Or is it one going, well, that just just ain't right. We have to make that decision. We have to openly support 
Every individual in their pursuit of good. Every individual in pursuit of good. Our affirmation card this week is from Jan. And she writes, and you are a bad derriere at making money. She says, and I used this quote last week, but I love it. Fall so madly in love with your vision that it's no match for any limiting subconscious beliefs that pitch a fit and try to stop you. That pitch a fit and try to stop you. See, all this stuff that people accept, all this stuff where, that people have been conditioned to focus outward instead of inward, that's pitching the tent. That's not being free. When we pitch the tent, what are we doing? We're standing right where we are. We're going to pitch a tent and stand, sit firm in our negativity. That's what somebody's saying to me. But understand, your vision, your dream, your energy is the first step in the process of source trending from the spiritual to the physical realm. When we say to you, as we have done on multiple occasions, it all, it's all good because it's all God, that applies to the dreams and desires of your soul to live fully, healthfully, love in a life that is love-filled, to live successfully and abundantly. That's not you. That's the universe saying, this is what can be done as you. And it's up to you, up to you, nobody else, to be tenacious, absolutely tenacious, and not allowing any internal or external influences impact the vision you have for your journey. In her book, Jan shares a great story about being on a plane. And the plane is about ready to leave the gate. And right as it's about to pull off, this lady comes bursting onto the plane with her two young sons just as they were about to close the door. And Jan said the family, I love this, Jan said the family had that sweaty, disheveled, wild-eyed look specific to two types of people. Out-of-shape people who've narrowly made their flight are people who just have killed someone. (laughs) This is why I like her writing. She says, with everyone on the plane watching her to try to find a place for their luggage in the overhead compartments, deal with the two kids, trying to get the kids in the seat, the mother just kept apologizing to the entire plane for the holdup. And the three, to top it all off, were not sitting together. They had middle seats, one in front of the other. And her older son refused to sit down. He was about nine years old, and he quietly informed his mother that he wanted a window seat. And she said, sorry, you're out of luck, sit down. To which he replied, no, I'm sitting by the window. And the mother kind of hissed at him, sit down down. To which he said no. And she sighed another apologetic look down the aisle of the plane to her fellow passengers and Jan said about this exchange, she wrote, I'm sitting there in my window seat watching all this, trying to figure out if I should give him my seat and end her torture, give him a talking to, or hire him as my coach. I'd never seen such unshakable, calm resolve. Shakeable, unshakable, calm resolve in the face of such great danger. An entire plane of annoyed grown-ups. 
Yet this kid, without being bratty or pitching a fit, held his ground. He held his ground until the guy in front of Jan got up and switched seats with him. His desire for and vision of his goal outweighed and blinded him to all other options. What were the other options? Public humiliation, verbal abuse from the adults, other than his mother. No screen time for the rest of his life. He had the stick to to poo-poo one of the biggest building blocks to success known to humankind, the need to be liked and fit in. Jan said, if you plan on going from poor to rich, you too must stick to your guns at the risk of being unpopular. Prince wasn't popular with the Stones fans. Go figure. He didn't care they didn't like him. But he stuck to it. He strutted his strut and demonstrated a worldwide fan base that absolutely adored him, including me. Ralph Ralph Waldo Triune said, there are many who are living far below their possibilities because they are continually handing over their individualities to others. Do you want to be a power in the world? Then be yourself. Then be yourself. You get to decide what that self looks like. And at any point in time, you feel like you're withholding who you truly are, who you really want to bring to this journey. It is not because the universe doesn't want you to do it. It is because somewhere in the back of your mind, you're expressing a concern about what others might say about what others might do. Look, speaking from experience, they're going to talk about you whether you do it or not. Just saying. So give them something to talk about. Give them something to talk about. Do you know that dang fool went out on the stage in underwear and a trench coat at the Stones concert? How you like me now? <laughs> I want to close with um, something that Jan says. Jan, in, Jan in her book, she at each end of each chapter, and you guys that have fought, been following along note this, she gives different steps to follow. And we're going to cover two of those chapters this afternoon. But in this particular section, she talks about going to the internet and searching for the text to the poem, Our Deepest Fear, by Marianne Williamson. And she says to print it out and tape it on your refrigerator and read it as often as possible. And I know many know this poem. And the the beginning lines of it are, it is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And I so agree with her. A number of years ago, I reworked that, reworked Marianne Williamson's poem as it related to abundance and prosperity. And I'm going to share the reworking of that with you now because, you know, that's what, that's what this whole month is about. 
is raising that vibration. And on the off chance, some of you like it, I took the liberty of assuming one or two of you might, and I printed it out. It'll be available for you on the information table. So here it is. Our deepest fear is not that we will live in lack. Our deepest fear is that we will never express our true abundant nature. It is our energy, not our circumstances, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be abundant, prosperous, independent, and financially free? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of the universe. Your living small does not serve the divine. There's nothing enlightened about living in lack and limitation so that other people won't feel inferior around you. We were born to demonstrate the abundant nature of the divine, of the divine mind of God that is within all of humanity. And as we let our own power and energy expand and grow, we unconsciously give other people the permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own false ideas and fears, our presence automatically gives freedom to others. Look, y'all have fun today. We had a blast. That resonance is still going. We might kick the bowls off ourselves here in a moment. Look, in all seriousness, the intent of the universe is to thrive through you. Your role is to live that intent in spite of any concerns or fears you may have. And whether those concerns have to do with how you were raised or what somebody might say, it really doesn't matter. And we don't want you to go into the process of saying, well, you know, before I go about and live my uniqueness and strut my strutness, that I have to heal all this other stuff first. Because you don't. The universe is ready when you are. So if you're ready and you're willing, start today. If you're ready and you're willing, this is the day for you to prove to yourself that you can raise your vibration of consciousness, your vibration of abundance so high, so loud, that the only thing that flows to you is your perfect idea, your perfect image of what it means to be that vibrant, loving, healthy, successful, abundant expression of the divine. You do that. You do that. And you will prove to yourself and every Stones fans there, there is that you are a bad derriere at demonstrating abundance. And so ends our lesson. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs>